Hey, listen up. Yeah, we here and we locked in. Let's keep it going all the way to the top 10. We fear the turtle, so it's no other option. Fred and Ryan, just watch them. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. What's up, Turp fans? Fred, Ryan, and Ahmed back for another episode of the Shell and Tell podcast. It's Sunday, January 16th. It's snowing outside. Baby, it's cold outside today. Uh, so we got, a, we got a nice show for you. We got a special guest. Uh, big fan of this guy. Big big fan of him as a person, as a player. Uh, Chiga Conquo joins us to talk about his preparations as he jo- as he gets ready for the NFL. Yeah, and we'll run through more transfer attrition as well as the first official coaching change and not the one anyone was looking for. Yep, and uh, we'll wrap it up with the uh, basketball double overtime win over Northwestern, followed by Sunday or Saturday's letdown performance at home against Rutgers. Yeah, letdown is putting it mildly. Yeah, well, yeah. we say this once, so it's, it's exciting. Well, let's not talk about sad basketball. Let's get to the exciting football news first. <laughs> All right, well, before we get to the interview, man, let's talk a little bit about the staffing. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot, of, uh, a lot of rumors and names floated around, especially amongst the fan base of guys that... That maybe or positions that we thought we might see some changes in. Uh, first position that we do see a change: uh, wide receiver coach Zon Burden headed to Duke as of last week. This one was kind of a surprise. Seemed to me as kind of a lateral move. Ahmed, make this make sense? Yuck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely um, on the surface, it didn't seem that money was the the primary motivation in leaving. And um, I guess I, I did not know that he had the passing game coordinator uh, uh, lobby to him as well. But he obviously will now go to Durham and take the wide receiver job, which he had at Maryland, and uh, be elevated to the passing game coordinator for the Blue Devils. And uh, obviously, that wasn't a possibility with Maryland with uh, tight end coach Mike Miller uh, possessing that title as a passing game coordinator. Uh, so it's a step up for, for Zahn. Uh, but it was definitely a surprise. Uh, just wrapped up his first year, was expected to really help Maryland uh, to get back into Virginia a lot more. Um, and he played a hand in the landing uh, four-star running back Ramon Brown, four-star wide receiver Shalik Knotts. Uh, yeah. And Zahn did leave for uh, wide receiver Leon Houghton uh, out of high school. Um, so, um, you know, he did give some Maryland some concrete uh, commitments and, and, and you know, he kind of did help. Uh, but yeah, like, like you guys said, you know, I wasn't expecting it, but just with the opportunity to uh, the, the added responsibility of passing coordinator uh, is kind of what tilted the tide on this so one. We didn't want this guy leaving with no. that kind of recruiting. Shots. No, <laughs> you just like took the heart of our recruiting class that's coming in and said, Oh no, the guy that did that. <laughs> yeah, the guy that brought all this in potentially leaves. I mean, is there any potential with these guys following suit and following him? Uh, I wouldn't. I I don't have that concern right now. I mean, like, I it hasn't come up on the site, but I don't want anyone to think that like people are going to be requesting out of their letters letters of intent or anything like that. Okay. Um, I think a guy like Leon Houghton, I think it's uh, you know, he he's kind of coming into the school that was really on top of him the hardest um, comes into the place where uh, Mary, he was wanted. Um, so I think that Maryland will be able to find some other 
replacements to help them get into Virginia. Um, no names just as of yet, uh, but uh, it is a concern. But I will say that you know that that when Zahn came aboard, you know he was expected to also help with guys like uh, uh, Tyson Chapman and George Petaway, and obviously those guys stuck with UNC. Um, so I think that you know there was also another level that Maryland fans might have expected out of Zahn. But I do think that Zahn, I mean, from the 2024, 2025 classes, you're going to see his name a lot. Um, and, and surprisingly enough, he actually does come from the uh, Chris Beatty uh, coaching tree. Uh, coach played under him um, back back in the day. So, um, you know, I think Maryland, this is a loss, obviously, on the recruiting trail. Yeah. Um, helped the wide receiver room. But I do think that this is something that uh, they will be able to bounce back from. Yeah. Is there any other coaching news that we should be aware of at this moment? Hasn't been anything official. I mean, there's been a lot of back and forth. I think even Loxley Thursday or Friday did an interview and said that he and Damon have still been meeting daily, you know, organizing and figuring out, you know, staffing stuff. Um, I posted a premium note on uh, assistant Ron Zook uh, for inside the black and gold subscribers over the weekend. Uh, The coaches started checking back in on campus uh, throughout last week, uh, ahead of the, this weekend's official visitors. Uh, so no news yet, but we definitely will have some, uh, definitely some developments over the next one, definitely two weeks. Yeah, I think Zook is the the main name that we've heard around the fan base the most that we thought maybe there'd be a move there. Thought it'd be the first exit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I don't know if, uh, you know, you're going to like this update, people. Yeah, <laughs> make sure if you haven't checked it out yet, Hit that subscribe button, pay your eight bucks a month, get on there and uh, and check out that new note that he's got about Zook. Uh, so we got to talk a little bit about the the portal. We obviously updated you all in our last episode uh, from the Birdland show. Uh, a lot of attrition happening, but there were a few more pieces that kind of fell over the last few days. Uh, and it didn't stop at wide receiver. We had two more departures at wide receivers. Dewan Ellis and Dino Tomlin both hit the, t- uh, the portal. Yeah, I, I think Ellis, you know, he was a guy that um, didn't crack the rotation. I think he kind of had a chance to to play both at cornerback and wide receiver, play both at Maryland. Uh, obviously, he transferred in from Virginia Tech, a former McDonough guy, uh, but just just wasn't uh, the the path to playing time going into next season. Uh, don't know how viable it was. Um, and then Dino Tomlin. Uh, I'm hearing that he actually might land out at Power 5 school. Uh, doesn't sound like it's 100%, but sounds like there's a decent chance that it happens. Um, but again, um, you know, I don't know... Uh, how much he was going to play this year. I think you saw Ty Felton that he was a true freshman and, and kind of played a lot more than, than some of these guys that have been here a year or two. Dino Tomlin, man, a guy we can't root for more. So I was our very yeah. first guest here on Shell and Tell. I still remember the day when, you know, I was spamming out everybody I could get a direct message to trying to find a guest for Shell and Tell. And Dino replied, I'm like, Oh my God, a Tomlin reply. That's the, that's going to be our very first <laughs> guest on this. At that point, nothing podcast. It was our very first episode. Yeah. You know, he had faith in us and he came on and was, it was a good guest. So we've been doing nothing but rooting for him. But like you said, it just, it didn't show. He had very few even attempts, you know, his way. And when yeah. they, when they did go his way, it didn't, didn't end well usually. But what I will say is, you know, Dino, I, I know I posted it kind of throughout the season. You know, we get a chance to go for Tuesday practices and see portions, but, um, if there were ever times where you see players stay after practice, Dino was one of them um, yeah. every single time. So that's something that, you know, when you talk about work ethic and, you know, just controlling the controllables, as Loxie says, uh, Dino does a great job of that. So, um, you know, work ethic, uh, drive, never a question. So it's, uh, you know, don't stop rooting for him. Yeah. Uh, Ellis seems to be the only one that's got a little burn behind him. If you're paying attention on Twitter and social media, man, he's uh, 
he's gone a little viral with his posting of practice clips and the little bit of footage I guess he does have. Seems to be he might be the most bitter, I guess, of, of all the departures. Yeah, he. I think he, he wrote. I think I saw a tweet where he mentioned that he was going to play a lot more and didn't end up playing. Um, so, um, you know, best of luck to him at the at the, his next stop. Yeah, right. he just basically said that his last of product lack of production was not due to lack of talent; it was due to lack of opportunities, kind of thing, and just was yeah. like spam blasting every clip and kind of you know trying to make Maryland look silly. You know, I get it. You can't feel good rejection at any level, and when you're you know propped up to, to that kind of level anybody telling you you can't do it is going to be met negatively so hopefully yeah. he's right hopefully it works out for him and goes to those big things but you know i we got a lot of people in that room i think we're gonna be okay yeah another guy on the offensive side of the ball tight end malik jackson also hits the portal tell yeah, us a little bit about him yeah and he's he's another guy when you know you kind of look and he, he signed with the uh, 2019 class uh when when loxy first took over and local guy out of mead high school uh, but again he just kind of uh you know maryland was able to add uh cory Di- or excuse me uh cj dupree and weston wolf last year and you kind of saw dupree stepping in as a tight end a blocking tight end and um, Malik jackson also did miss the spring with uh injuries so um again it's uh you know i wish him the best of luck he's a great kid and never heard never heard of any problems about him but um you know he'll uh probably go down a level and and find a role where he can he can play a good amount and probably in the biggest departure the one that'll hurt the most outside linebacker deshaun holt has landed at toledo yeah. uh can you tell us more about what how that ended up and what, what do you, you think he's gonna do at the next level yeah, I, I think that this is a piece, you know, I don't think that this is a, I, I, I liked him because I thought that he was a guy where he kind of came in and, and maybe outperformed expectations that maybe fans had for him. For and sure. I think that even, you know, when you look at the depth chart next year, you know, some fans say, yeah, you know, he probably wasn't going to start and, you know, you can make that argument, but he was a guy that had pretty good experience through these last last two seasons, uh, had drawn praise, was not someone that the staff uh, wanted to see leave in the slightest. Um, and I think that this may this might be a departure that kind of gets overlooked. And when you kind of look at the depth chart now, um, there's some inexperience at outside linebacker that holds uh, uh, if he was still with the program, he would have really been able to be an asset in that area. Um, so he'll go to Toledo, team up with former Maryland running back Penny Boone. Uh, so I think this is a uh, uh, significant departure. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I mean, outside linebackers got talent, but it's young talent. Uh, and again, you got to have that depth there. And, and Maryland right now doesn't have a whole lot of options. And even if you don't start, I mean, there's plenty of minutes. When you're talking about defensive line, this is not a position that plays every snap like it's a grueling position the starters aren't going to be out there all the time you know i always think about that uh philadelphia eagles super bowl team that just had like 19 dudes playing defensive line that they just rotated through right to keep guys fresh in that position is a huge advantage Exactly. I mean, you look at even inside linebacker, I believe it was the Michigan game, but I mean, we saw Kobe Thomas that was playing a lot, and he was yep. a guy that we had in our top four, uh, five guys uh, going into the season at inside linebacker, but, you know, injuries happen. Um, you, exactly. you, you just, you like you said, Fred, you got you to keep guys fresh. So um, I agree. I think that that was definitely a local guy with experience. So it'll be interesting to see how, uh, how, how the depth uh, shakes out next year. Now, a couple guys we talked about on last week's show, Brian Cobbs, Daryl Jones, we talked about them hitting the portal. Well, now they've found their next destination. Brian Cobbs heads off to Utah State, while Daryl Jones heads to NC State. 
any surprises here? Because to me, uh, NC State seems like a uh, a pretty good landing spot yeah, for Daryl Jones. Not too shabby. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's uh, no surprise that uh, former Mar- Maryland wide receiver coach Joker Phillips is uh, at NC State now. So that helped make that connection possible. Uh, um, I had heard that there were some other receivers. I know Logan uh, Delizio, who, who's been really great on the site. Um, he had, he had heard that there were some other power fi- or some Maryland uh, receivers that were looking out uh, that wanted to look at NC State as a viable landing spot. So good for Daryl Jones. I believe that got announced uh, within a week of him hitting the portal, maybe mm-hmm. 10 days. Uh, but yeah, and then Brian Cobbs, uh, you know, really rooting for him. I got a chance actually to see him uh, very briefly at the game on Saturday against Rutgers. Um, so just a great guy. I mean, kind of like Chig, uh, you, you, it's really hard to root against those guys. So um, he'll, he'll, he'll have a really good opportunity to shine next year. So that's the out. Who are the people we can worry about trying to get in from the portal <laughs> yeah i gotta ask you about one guy in particular because there's been a name that's been floating out there it's uh tyson Badgen, uh the quarterback out of shepherd i know his name's been flirted out there with with terps ties but i've seen some articles out there that says it's going to take an alabama to pull me away let the fans know what's going on with this guy is there a real possibility of him landing at college park yeah, I don't. I I so I don't want to start it out by saying I'm not projecting him anywhere because uh, I think that Maryland does have a chance to get him coming out of this weekend. I know they're still looking at in some things, and I think West Virginia. You know, they did a really good job. There was an offer that he was very excited, and West Virginia, um, even out of high school, if they wanted Badgett, they would have been able to get him. And just uh, Dana Holgerson just did not go after him really. So the Mountaineers this time around are a viable contender, but. Also, don't rule out Badgen going back to Shepard, uh, playing another season there. Um, I've heard a couple of people mention that you know, just from local players who play at Shepard say, you know, that's kind of what we're expecting. So um, that, I'm just not at the point where I think that he will land at one school with 100% confidence. Um, but those are the three the, the the three schools that I see in play right now. Um, so we'll see. I think it'll be kind of interesting. But, you know, if if he were to come, Bajan would fill in that role as the second scholarship quarterback. Um, Maryland would not have a second scholarship quarterback uh, if if Bajan doesn't come. Um, so that's a big selling point right now that Maryland needs a second scholarship, uh, especially in the spring. Uh, get those reps, get the offense, things like that. Um, so that'll be really interesting. Um, so uh, he he is the, probably the prominent name to know right now out of the portal. Yeah, it's definitely a need. It's just an interesting to see if if he ends up being another Reshudinsky 2.0. Does he come here with the with the intentions and with the know how that he's going to be sitting behind Leah uh, at least for a year before potentially getting his shot here? That'd be and, great. And Can that, I get a Reese 2.0? That sounds <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and, that, and, and that's kind of the the biggest thing though is that like you know like you said you know if he were to come to college park he would be coming in sitting out one season because maryland is being extremely transparent that lee is the starter this year he will likely leave after this season and then you'll have a chance to redshirt and then 2023 season you come in as a full-time starter but would he be willing to do that instead of just returning as a starting quarterback at shepherd where he just finished throwing for over 5,000 yards 53 touchdowns and 13 interceptions so it's going to be a very, very interesting pursuit. Uh, once Udinsky left, I thought it was interesting and just how Maryland would go about it. So it's uh, going to be fun to watch it play out. I'm interested that they're actually advertising it as potential. You'd be the full-time starter in 2023 because that, to me, means that they're not super high on Jaden Saray being ready in 2023. Yeah, but you need you like he he wouldn't he doesn't get here until uh, summer, so right. he wouldn't have. Like he would have going into next season, he would have that first full year. Um, but again, he he's only had two seasons in high school 
uh, as a starting quarterback. And good point. He obviously, went to states one year, uh, won it one year, lost in the other. Um, but um, I just, um, I think, I think Survey is is a is a good piece in the quarterback room. Uh, I just don't know that he would be ready to start in 2023. I think with time, maybe 2024, you give him a, a long look, but I don't know if he would be uh, it just that soon. That's a great point. All right, well, that's the quarterback we need to know in the transfer portal, but we need somebody to stop some quarterbacks because we're a little <laughs> light on the back end of our defense. Yeah. So what do you got coming in for there from there, uh, Ahmed? Yeah, it's, uh, Maryland also got a chance to host uh, former South Carolina cornerback Dominic Hill. Um, he was in the two deep for the Gamecocks uh, all season. Um, he got a chance. Uh, he was also an early enrollee, former four-star out of the uh, 2020 class uh, for South Carolina. So um, he would be a guy that would have uh, some some multiple years ahead of him uh, if you were to get to College Park. Um, and, you know, when you kind of look at the cornerback room for next year, you have Ja'Korian Bennett now coming back. You have Deontay Banks, who's going to be cleared, fully healthy. And then you also have Tarheep still. So I think you do have those three starters that you feel confident in that Loxley was adamant that he felt confident in even going into this season. But Hill would play a, a pretty big role uh, just with the depth uh, and and help staggering the, that, that depth in the room. Um, so I think that he would come in, but I just don't know. Um, I guess where Maryland stands in his recruitment, it's been a little bit more quiet around him and he's not really talking too much. But um, from what I uh, understand, this is his second visit uh, to date since entering the portal. Um, so I think that this is a guy that uh, Maryland uh, has a chance with, but it's just a little too soon to say. But uh, I think it's also indicative that uh, a quarterback and a cornerback came in. Uh, I think to me, those are the two biggest priorities for for the staff and really seem to be the two positions where they're moving the most. 100%. I mean, we've had year in and year out where we've seen five, six deep at cornerbacks specifically. Yeah. So even if, you, if the next person's not coming in to, to fight for a starting role, having that depth is absolutely crucial they to will this play. team's success. <laughs> they will play for sure. Uh, so we talked a lot about some comings and some goings of players. Uh, one guy who is taking the next step in his career is he's going to be pursuing his lifelong dream uh, of being an NFL player is our special guest on this week's show, Chigazim Akonkwo. All right, joining us now is number nine in your programs, number one in your heart, Terps tight end, Chig Aconquo. Chig, appreciate you taking the time to join us today, man. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me. First of all, i got to start it off. Congratulations on a hell of a senior season, a hell of a career, really, as a Terp. Uh, can't end it much better than your first bowl appearance and to win in such a dominant fashion. How was that entire experience for you personally at the Pinstripe Bowl? Uh, yeah, man, it was amazing. It's just like a culmination of uh, everything that we went through for the past, you know, years in the program. Should be able to go down and have a great time in New York with all the all the, you know, all of our brothers, and then you know just go out and dominate the game. You know, complete domination on special teams, defense, offense. It felt like we finally played our perfect game that we're talking about having all year, and it was just perfect to have it in our in my final game. My Absolutely, career. all three levels. Yeah, that was a perfect game. You talk we, you talk about your brothers. What was it like growing with some of these guys, the Daryl Jones, Brian Cobbs, Carlos Carey, that all got to have really shine and have their big moments in what would be their final season as the Terps? 
uh, just amazing just, you know, seeing everything that they went through, you know, just always not, you know, getting to be the, the number one guy, but, you know, finally getting their chance to, to shine. And, you know, they, as you see, like they all took advantage of their of opportunities when they came. And especially very happy for Daryl, man, because we were, me and Brian were talking about it, like, in the hotel. We were like, dang, Daryl hasn't uh, scored a touchdown yet. Right. And then we are saying, yeah, this game, I guarantee he'll, he'll have multiple touchdowns. And then when he did, we were just looking at each other like, whoa. <laughs> we were just talking about this, like, the whole week we were just talking about this. That's awesome. And to see it finally coming to light was, like, really, was really cool. Broke out in a big way, man. He did, for sure. You know, the three of us got a chance to go up there and kind of take in the festivities from a, sta- a fan standpoint. So I got to ask you, off the field for a second, what were some of your favorite off-the-field experiences up there in New York during the bowl game? Uh, Definitely just all the moments when we were just, you know, not thinking about football. So the one time we had a comedy. We had a comedy show that was hilarious. Uh, the third guy who came on was hilarious. He was really funny. <laughs> And then, you know, we were there with Virginia Tech, too. So we got to make fun of, you know, Johnny Jordan, too. Our old, our, you know, our That's awesome. And then, uh, we went to uh, we had to go ice skating in Central Park. That was really cool. Uh, that was, yeah, that was cool. And, you know, just being in Times Square with the bros and just taking photos and stuff like that. Just not thinking about football, just getting to, you know, just take, you know, to like a little vacation. That was really fun. Yeah, the New York comedy, that's that's kind of part of the whole thing. We got to have a, a, a similar experience that up there. We went to two different comedy clubs, and then after the game, we were sat right across from a bunch of Virginia Tech fans dressed all in their gear and ours. So the, yeah. the, the comedian had a good time fighting us against one another. It was a good time. <laughs> it was a good time. <laughs> and, and, and Jake, you, you know, I know you mentioned kind of through the season that, you know, you wanted to, to help the, your team and, and the program kind of take that next level. So um, obviously you made your decision prior to the bowl game but when you kind of look back and you know the bowl win and and finishing seven and six i guess what do you think that means for the future of the maryland program yeah i mean finishing seven and six you know in in our eyes it's not you know it's not really what we actually wanted you know we wanted more out of this season but just finishing seven and six you know you know getting over 500 and getting the bowl game we all know that that's just a huge step for our program you know seeing where we came from the last time we had a full season we were three and nine so you know that's a huge step and just knowing that there's more talent coming in, more coaches coming in, you know, all these things happening in the program, our program, we're finally getting better facilities to match everybody else in the Big Ten. And I just can't wait to see what the team has in store for in the future. Yeah, man, the real fans know how close you were to having a lot more than that. You know, you, I'm sure you see all the naysayers and stuff, but the real fans know after you got that winning season under the belt, how close you were to having a bunch more big wins. And we, and we can see the future coming. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, your path at times wasn't always easy. You know, in 2020, obviously, you had a pretty serious health scare as you were diagnosed with a rare heart condition called uh, myocarditis, kind of kept you out for the entire season. Something like that hits, and I'm sure football is kind of the furthest thing from your mind at the time. How were you able to not only physically overcome all that, but mentally as well? Uh, honestly, it's just you know, just keeping faith. I just have like a tremendous faith that everything was going to play out, that God was going to take care of me. So just keeping that faith the whole time, I knew I was going to be able to play again, you know, but it was hard, obviously, you know, just not, you know, knowing how the future was going to be exactly, but just keeping faith and just every day, just believing that I would get be able to play again. And then as you see, you know, I got to come back, finish off my season the way I wanted to. So I'm very happy about that. Thank God for that. Right. Was there a single moment where you realized that all the work you had put in had really paid off or you had, the comeback had been complete? I'd say, yeah, when we, um, I'd say when we were taking the photo 
under the Rutgers scoreboard when we knew we were going to a bowl game. Honestly, That's I think awesome. that was a moment where everybody, we all knew, like, finally everything we did, all, you know, buying into the program, combining into the, with the coaches thing, we finally got to do it. And so I think it was, like, the first time in, like, five years. I remember Coach Locks came in the team meeting room before the, uh, like, the beginning of the bowl week, and he, he was like, raise your hand if you've been to a bowl game. And, like, nobody <laughs> – Nobody on the team raised their hand because for the last five years, nobody we ever went to a bowl game, so nobody had the experience of going to a bowl game. And just him saying that, like alone, kind of like lit the fire under us that week. And we were just like, yeah, you know what, we got to do it. Like no matter what happens, we got to do it. And then you know, just getting to get that win and going, you know, play New York was amazing. Getting to play at Yankee Stadium and just yeah, that's that was pretty cool. It's awesome. That's awesome, man. And then when you kind of look back and, you know, I know when we we first started, you know, getting to know each other, you uh, were obviously building a relationship with the then offensive coordinator, Walt Bell. Um, so when you look back at the, the your Maryland career, you know, you obviously played under uh, Bell, uh, Matt Canada, Scotty Montgomery, and obviously Danny knows this past all this past year. Um, so when you kind of look back, do you feel like any of those changes maybe made it more difficult or uh, like uncertain, you know, when you look at year after year, off season after off season, you know, how you need to take the next step? Uh, yeah, it was hard. You know, when you ever, when you always have coaching changes every single year, that's, that's pretty rough. I mean, while Bill left like four days before I even got to campus, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad, I'm kind of glad I did that though, because that honestly just made me mature quicker about like the way college is. And I started to realize that this is like, this is completely just a business. This isn't, you know what they what they say it is. You always family, always like family, family, family. But like you could you could sit down in someone's house, tell them how great everything's gonna be in the next four years, and then leave like four days before they get to campus. So just having that experience, I got to uh, learn that you know just don't buy in you know to the coach, buy into the program, buy into your teammates, and then everything else will will take care of yourself. So um, I didn't really struggle with all the coaching changes. I think I always felt like I had a good role in whichever offense I got to play in. So I feel like I always had a chance to make plays. Well, going through all of that change, how do you think that that better prepared you uh, as you go on your next step as preparations for the NFL? That was great because I, uh, I got to you know learn multiple offenses. Offense where we huddled up all the time. Offense where we never huddled. Offense where I was taking snaps as almost like a running back. Offense where I was flexed out, spread out, inline tight end. You know, I got to play – I pretty much got to play every single position on offense in college, and I hope, you know, NFL scouts will see that and see me as a dynamic player that can do anything on the field. Very versatile. It's a good, great point. Speaking of change, the difference in tight end usage was clear, and in 2019 we kind of got like a glimpse of what it could be, and then it kind of fizzled out. On the show we always blame that on the – injuries on the offensive line that you guys had to do more work in the trenches and less work showing out on the uh, receptions. Was that really the biggest difference in 2019 or 2021? Or what do you see the difference in those two seasons? Uh, I'd probably say the difference in those seasons are my football knowledge, football IQ, and then, you know, getting the coaches and teammates to trust, you know, just trust me more. But like my senior year, I've made huge strides in terms of, you know, just understanding the game and, you know, and being more confident, honestly, with making plays. I think back in 2019, I, I don't think I ever would have tried to hurdle a guy. Maybe, <laughs> but, uh, and then, you know, this year, like, when I got the ball in my hands, it was always like, you know, I'm about to make a play. I'm about to make a play. So, yeah, I think that's one thing, the confidence. Well, now that you're off to the NFL draft, 
What do you? How, how do you feel about the current state of the Terps tight end room? You know, they got a lot of young guys in there, some guys that got some play here as the season progressed. How do you feel that that tight end room's shaping up? Oh yeah, they're going to be really good, man. Because you know, CJ, you know, Corey, they're going to they're going to be really good next year. They they have a lot of experience under their belt now, so it's just you know about you know learning learning the game more and just getting higher football IQ, and which they're definitely going to do. It's funny because, like, I always say the future's so bright, man. Like, CJ came in, like, the day he stepped on campus, he was the strongest. <laughs> he was, like, one of the strongest people on the team. Like, <laughs> or like, he was he was easily, he was the strongest, like, big skill on the team, like, the day he stepped on campus. Wow. Like, there was nobody on the team who was stronger than him. Yep. It was actually crazy. But then, uh, yeah, Corey, dynamic player. He's going to learn, you know, more with the blocking game, too. He's a fearless blocker. He doesn't, he doesn't care, you know, how big a guy he is. He's going to go strike him, so. Once he puts on weight, man, and then he already has like the, the ball skills, and CJ's going to you know, develop those ball skills. So, yeah, the tight end room for the Turfs is going to be a really great and exceptional coming up. And the Weston, I think Weston honestly made the, the biggest improvements that I've seen all year because from the like from the time we were in camp to bowl practices, just seeing the way that he played, like the, his confidence in himself. Because at first he was kind of timid with everything, but by the time it got to the bowl practices, I was like, bro, who is this guy? We were just saying, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, who is this? This is not like the Western that I like. I knew all year. Like he's playing out of his mind. Right. That was really, that was really fun to see. Just watching those guys grow, and watching him become more uh, vocal and just become more comfortable with everybody in the room. So I, I'm I'm really excited to see what they can do over the next few years. That's exciting, man. Good to hear. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And and Coach Miller, I know we talked about the 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 changes at, at offensive coordinator, but Coach Miller, you know, obviously he's been with the program for the last three years now. And whenever I see a video or see something on of him on social media, he's always joking or very upbeat. So just kind of working with him every day in practice. I guess what was it like playing under him, and kind of what's his style? Yeah, man, he's a very you know young coach. He's very energetic. He's always energetic. Everything. There's not a single day he'll come in, you know, not bringing the energy. So me and him, you know, get along really well because, you know, I'm, I'm that type of person too. So, <clears throat> yeah, watching him grow, honestly, has been cool too because, you know, his his first job was with us as, as, a, as a tight end coach. So yeah. you got to see him grow, you know, from the things that he struggled with in the past and then seeing where he is now, you know, getting 35 under 35, you know, he's been have, has exceptional growth too, not just us in the tight room. And, you know, he's become a greater, you know, recruiter, you know, way smarter with the run game like yeah now he feel like he's like a full-fledged coach now and i can't wait to see you know what he gets to do in the future for his career too yeah it's great for sure now you're off in florida training right getting prepped for the uh i guess the east west shrine bowl at this point how's life been going post maryland so far no it's not long but the little bit of time that you've had how's it going so far dude <laughs> life is so easy like outside of school oh my god <laughs> I can't even explain how, like, I can't even explain how easy this life is. Like, I literally wake up, train, eat, get PT, get massages, you know, go go back home to my hotel, sleep, then go back, train for the afternoon session, then I'm literally done with my day by, like, 3.30. And after 3.30, I do nothing but just sit in my room, watch watch games, play games, and I repeat the next day. Living the good life. About, I like it. Don't gotta worry about school. You know, it's seventy five degrees here every single day. Uh, ten minutes away from me. So, yeah, Way to I'm rub it in it. while it's snowing up here yeah, it's in Baltimore. Yeah, snow. Appreciate it. I'm wearing a skull cap indoors. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. How exciting was it to be invited to that East West Shrine game? And and what do you find the importance in that for your draft preparations? Yeah, that game was uh, pretty big for me. It's like my one of my last you know times to elevate my draft stock. You know, just trying to find one team that would uh, like my abilities, you know, 
So getting to go in there and play in front of all those GMs and coaches is going to be a huge deal. And then, you know, getting to experience a Pro Bowl weekend with those guys, too, will be cool, too. Yeah, it's pretty cool also that it's in the same spot as the NFL draft. I thought that was kind of interesting. Vegas. Got to got to get yeah. your draft stock up, get your good 10-year career so you can keep having days over by 3.30 yeah. where you can play video games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, obviously, all Division One athletes, I think, have the dream of playing professionally at the next level, obviously, right? But how surreal, I can only imagine, how surreal was it for you when that invite to the NFL Combine came? Was like that like the moment where it all kind of sank in? I don't think I've had that moment yet. Probably really? that moment when he drafted. Just because, like, I felt like I was, like, I expected everything. Like, everything that I've been, like, got, I expected. Right. So, yeah, every, I mean, just, I have so many guys come before me at my school, at my high school, you know. So, I just always knew that, like, there was nowhere, there was, like, no doubt in my mind that, that I could do it. Because I've seen people do it from where I'm from. So, I was like, yeah, I know I'm going to do it. It's just a matter of time when it comes. I think that that moment will hit me definitely when I get drafted. For sure. <laughs> we'll be, we're I love the confidence. I love the confidence. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. And when you kind of look back, I know you mentioned, you know, obviously uh, post-school post life is, is a lot easier now. But when you look back and I guess what's one thing you're going to miss about College Park? It doesn't have to be, you know, football specific, but just curious, you know, if you go back one day, you know, what's that one place or restaurant or if it's a bar that you definitely, definitely want to go back to that one more time? I think the thing we miss the most is just uh, just being able to just be like, "Yo, guys, let's go out this weekend," <laughs> and then everybody's just like, "Okay," because you know we're all we're all living in the same building, so it's like it's a matter of okay, let's go downstairs and go out there. Yeah, so I think that's going to be the biggest thing I miss. You know, not being able to just have your friend like a hundred friends around you at all times. I think that's definitely the biggest thing I miss. Yeah, I miss those guys for real. Can understand that for sure. Well, Chig. We can't thank you enough for taking the time to call in with us today. Good luck with all your next steps as you get prepared to fulfill, I'm sure, a lifelong dream for you. We'll certainly miss cheering for you on Saturdays, but look forward to now cheering for you on Sundays, man. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Jake. Best of luck to you, bro. Yes, sir. man well my cheeks hurt i don't know about you guys i I had a great time talking to chig i've been smiling for that last 20 minutes that we've been talking to this man uh straight fanboy the whole time so uh how about the professionals talk about how they feel about it nah man chig is just it's a class act man class person uh just a great interview easy to talk to uh as nervous as i was in the beginning to do that interview man he couldn't have made it any easier for us yeah, uh, Jig is honestly, I, I know I've told you guys this off air, but um, just from the day I started talking to him when he was in high school to now, I mean, uh, probably done hundreds of interviews with him and he's just never an issue, always polite. Um, uh, it, having guys like Chig, it just makes it easy to root for him. Absolutely. Easy to root for him, man. And again, we wish him nothing but success moving forward. And hopefully he's a day two pick i know projections have him as a day three pick but i i still got a feeling that he's going to go in there show out at the combine and maybe get up in that day two at least that's my hopes man we'll see 
Uh, but I got to bring us down to earth. I know we're on this high right now. We're <laughs> a football school, Fred. We're just a football school. Do we just end the show here? Do we just not talk basketball? No, we have to talk well, basketball. We all hope that basketball gets right back there with it. We want to be a basketball and football school. Yeah. <laughs> It has not been a pretty season uh, for the men's basketball squad this year. Uh, you know they're coming off of oh they had a double overtime squeak out in Northwestern, uh, and then they lost last night in a shit show at Rutgers or at home versus Rutgers, a game that they in the first half led by eleven going into halftime uh, were really controlling the game. You know Rutgers was in foul trouble early on in the game. Uh, Maryland was going to the line, hitting all their free throws. It seemed like Maryland had the game in the bag, and then the freaking wheels fell off in the second half. <laughs> Same thing as always, man. We let their best players get the shots. We the, we keep letting the number one score go off. That's what the it's been all year. We don't have anyone to shut them down. I wonder where he's playing. <laughs> right. Well, that guy in this game was Ron Harper Jr. If you know the name, Ron Harper, former NBA player. This is his son, 6'6", 245-pound guard. I mean, he's he is the prototypical NBA guard body. I mean, he had, I think, 11 points going into halftime and then just absolutely took over uh, in the second half, was hitting everything. Yeah, I mean, he 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 really took over down the stretch. I didn't realize that uh, Danny Manning and and Ron Harper Senior, his dad, uh, actually played together four years at the. the oh, Clippers. really? I didn't yeah, know that either. Uh, uh, Emily Giambalvo from Giambalvo from the Washington Post actually brought it up in the press conference and started reading about that. But yeah, I mean, the junior, uh, he he was the killer uh, on on Saturday. Uh, he and uh, Paul Mulcahy, he uh, combined for thirty one of their forty six points in the second half alone. Yeesh. Uh, Maryland was outscored by twenty two points. Uh, in the second half, outscored fifteen to four in the final three thirty two. But yeah, I mean Ron Harper. I mean just the outside shooting. Uh, at one point, Rutgers scored th- uh, threes on five consecutive possessions. Um, you just can't allow that. Um, and it was just, uh, I think, I think the most disheartening aspect of the game was seeing how good the defense was in the first half with the yeah. steals. And I mean, there was at one point seven players had a, one steal, um, and then just seeing it all collapse down the stretch was. Uh, yeah, it's hard it, to watch. It's, it's mentally, uh, I wonder how they can bounce back from that with Michigan coming up on Tuesday. I really feel for these kids, man. It's just this whole season has just yeah. not been anywhere near their expectations. You, can, you know, fans fans want to pretend like they're I'm the ones sorry for setting expectations so high. <laughs> oh, Golly. Yeah. But I already told Fred last night we were sitting talking. Oh, I said, no. I am pulling clips. I will be ready for next year when you tell me that this team is 11 <laughs> players deep and we have the deepest bench of the history of time every year you tell me this is going to happen it's just it's just never true I felt so good about it this year but I mean it's their struggles are across the board man you can't even put your finger on it being one person or one problem I mean it's it's across everybody even Eric Ayala the senior you know you you, it's good and as much promise as we saw out of Reese in the first couple of games he's really struggled to get things going and and can't stay out of foul trouble it's just it's bad I mean it's things are really really bad right now yeah, I mean, even coming into the season, I kind of had some question marks because you know, I, I, hundred percent thought that this team was going to be a top twenty, yeah. maybe top fifteen team. I mean, and I thought Fats Russell, even though I had some questions about his size, I thought that he and Ayala would do a really good job of complimenting each other. I expected Agreed. a lot more from Weheb. Uh, Weheb does it; he just struggles, struggle uh, defending the more athletic bigs. And like you mentioned, Reese just has the foul trouble issues. Um, Xavier Green, I. 
I know fans look at him and they say, you know, it doesn't have the offense, but I like what he brings defensively. He just has that role, but just the lack of shooting. Uh, I did not realize it was going to be this bad. Um, and you can, you can see the, the losses. I mean, on Ayala's face yesterday, you can tell that it is starting to, to, to wane on him a little bit. Yeah. We still got a long way to go in this year. And I tell you, yeah. Watching highlights of Daryl Morsell go off against Seton Hall and put up almost 30 points and, you know, them end up beating Seton Hall. Uh, it pained me. Yeah, it, it hurt. All of this. It's like, I don't even know what to root for. I don't know how, like, to be invested just because you know that with a, a new coach in place next year, I mean, we I don't think many people expect it to be Manning. I guess there's like 1% chance or whatever, but how many of these people even stay like even if even the, the bright spots that you want to get invaded the hearts had a great year i can't be more high on julian reese like his future is very bright yes he has foul trouble he's a freshman like we've seen that before like it's yeah. he's gonna be an absolutely great player will it be here will Hart be here like the the the, the high the, the, even the people you hope for and that are doing their job you know eric ayala with the big triple double like what's going to be next year? Is there any investment or do we have to learn all new players anyway? So I think, what's the point? I think even if you do end up getting a lot of attrition and you end up getting a lot of new players in that's basketball is the one sport that that can happen very quickly. Like, I mean, it, it, again, you're talking about four or five impact players can make all the difference in the world between being a bottom dweller team and being a top of the conference team. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a very easier, much easier and faster transition in that sense than it would be on the football side of things. Yeah. You know, football, it takes a good three, four years for an entire program to, to shift over. Yeah. I mean, you look at like Stefan Diggs, for example. I mean, he was, uh, uh, in my mind, he was the best player in Maryland's uh, program history in the last 15 years, 20 yeah. years. But I mean, you know, he only played one position, whereas basketball, you sign a Anthony Edwards type guard and you have him come in and build your offense around him and, you know, go from there. So I think it'll be really interesting. I mean, obviously next year they're not going to have Ayala. They won't have Fats. Dante Scott, could he transfer? Could he go to the NBA? Uh, you know, that is just projection on my part. It's you. We can't make those any of those statements definitive. But um, yeah, I mean, I do think that like like Fred said, you know, you, you can get by that. Um, and at worst, uh, you recruit and you can get those blue chip guys and then next year stinks. And then the following year, um, it's always next year. It's always next year, but you know, maybe, maybe that's the outcome. But, um, I do think that there's something to be said, just getting the new coach and and generating that excitement again. I think, I think you'll see that, but it, it was very stark. So for me, I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to much to much else college basketball-wise, I haven't really sat down and watched a whole lot of other college basketball games outside of the Terps, so all I've been privy to is this just terrible basketball. But I sat down the other night, and I wa- or the other day, and I watched Kentucky and Tennessee play, and just watching the difference in talent level that Kentucky brings. I understand Kentucky it's is Kentucky. like, it's Kentucky, but they're, here's the thing. Kentucky, You're all the problem here, of the terrible no, fans. Here's the thing. Kentucky <laughs> is only rated like 18th in the country right now or 15th in the country. They're not that number one, but the yeah, talent but level still? difference was <laughs> immense. They shot like 80% in this game against Tennessee. They scored like almost 100 points in this game. It was, and, it, and they had scores on the bench, three and four deep. I mean, it was just, it was crazy how much difference there is from that kind of a program to where we're at right now. It's uh, it's immense. 
Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty crazy. Help ease my fears or or make me cry. I don't care which one. <laughs> uh, does Angel Reese being here give us any bigger chance of keeping Julian around? I mean, I think Julian. Regardless, I think that is going to be probably priority number one. Because I mean, for for that for the next head coach, he's going to have to come in and try and stabilize the roster. And it's hard to look at the roster and see a more bright spot than Julian Reese. So um, I do think that having uh, his older sister with the school definitely doesn't help or doesn't hurt. Excuse me. <laughs> I'll say I started crying there for a second. Oh, <laughs> good. I'm here to console you now. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I I just. I fully expect the, the the new coach to to take him over and and make sure that he does everything possible to to keep Julian at home and um you know I think that there has been nothing but uh, rumors un, unsubstantiated rumors that he could leave or anything like that I, I don't think that um that's a that's a concern that he's actively thought about through the season so um, I'm not personally concerned of it as of now. But things can always change. Speaking of coaching, this was something I wanted to bring up because I, I know you and I talked a little bit about the air, Ryan, about this, and it kind of got you fired up a little bit. But, you know, we all respect Gary Williams to the nth degree. You know, us, the fan base, everybody respects Gary Williams for what he's done for this program. Uh, but he stirred a little bit of controversy recently. He basically said, I thought I could be a good cheerleader for a few months to get people excited. Then the new coach comes in next year and rides the wave. That's what I envisioned. Only one problem. I didn't get the call. I I didn't like when I first read that, I thought Why, Gary. Right. Why? Why? <laughs> I, I none of this makes sense. I, as much as I love Gary Williams, eh, it doesn't make sense to me for him to be the stopgap. It was almost kind of like, you know, where Bob Stoops stepped in and coached Oklahoma to the bowl game type thing. Like, it, it, it just didn't make sense. I get the novelty of it, but that's not what this is about. And we're trying to move on from the Gary Williams era of basketball, right? The last thing that we need is another small sample size of what Gary Williams was yeah. and how much we miss it. Half of the, <laughs> that's, that was my point is half of the problem with Turgeon was that he was not Gary Williams. Right. Why in the world would we want to do... It's the same, like, when you're replacing a legend type thing. You know what I mean? So why would we want to put that legend back in and have the next guy replace a legend instead of replace Turge, who everybody had already... You know, all you got to do really do is be better than Turge to, like, at this moment. But if you put Gary back in there, and by some miracle, this team... I don't know, one, even two big 10 tournament teams or games like you're going to start a controversy again. Yep. Let Gary yeah. coach till he's 100. Like, I don't know. I just didn't think it was the right thing to do. And I saw people really upset about it. Yeah. Should maybe like they have called Gary and said, you know, obviously we thought of you. Here's our concerns. Do you agree? Because he deserves that respect. Yes. But I don't think that they should have went in that direction. Yeah. The only concern with me is that uh, like Danny Manny taking over, it just helps with continuity and like it's a familiar face. And obviously Gary Williams is, it's hard to think about Maryland basketball and not have Gary Williams be the first thing in your mind. Absolutely. But Gary Williams and Mark Turgeon uh, are two, or apple and oranges. I mean, it's uh, just the, the way that things would be run is just completely different. And to me, when Danny Manny takes over, it's about making sure that the players are good. From Gary Williams' perspective, if you bring in Gary, um, and I've had conversations with people about this. It helps from a ticket perspective, financial perspective. It, it generates some short-term 
uh, interest in the program. And then next year, you're like you said, um, I think it, it would be inevitable and natural for Maryland fans to compare, uh, not against Surgeon. I mean, you would look against Surgeon, but also have Gary Williams, his success and his accolades in the back of your head. Yep. And it it's hard to replace a legendary coach like that. Yeah, I just like you said, it, it doesn't make sense. The the difference in basketball play, the X's and O's is stark between the two. To have him come in mid season and have to implement an entire new offense, or Gary just trying to make shift with the offense that they're already running, just didn't make yeah. a whole lot of sense to me. Um, I love Gary Williams, but yeah, yeah, this was not the time or place for it. Yeah, uh, and I agree. And honestly, if if they decided to to make Gary the the coach instead of uh, Danny at the time. Um, I mean, it's hard for me to say, sit here and say I wouldn't have been excited as an old Oh, the fanboy would. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, like, I, I would have been like, oh my God, let's go. Like, any. I'd and go all watch him sweat through a suit one more time. Hell sure. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be cool. But um, yeah, I, I I understand why. All I say, all I want is Gary Williams to be involved yes. in every aspect of decision making. Um, there is no 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 reason why gary shouldn't be so um i just really want that to happen all right man well it's been a good show again big thank you to chig for taking the time to come on and talk to us for a few minutes today uh a lot of fun talking to him uh if you guys have any questions for us uh for future episodes you know this is kind of where things start to slow down for us so we'll probably be going to more of this bi-weekly show versus the weekly that we were doing during football season uh so if you want to be a part of the show you got any questions make sure you're sending them to us on social media you can send to them uh at our email at shellandtellpod at gmail.com you you can follow Ryan at Terps B. Espert, me at Fred BLBS. You can follow Ahmed at Kafir the Turtle. Be sure to follow Inside the Black and Gold uh, and sign up. $8 a month, best $8 you'll spend for inside information for your Terps. Ryan, sign us out. Yeah, guys, you're not going to miss what we got coming up. Ahmed's taking us to a whole nother level again. We got a great guest today. We got more great guests coming. So make sure you're following us everywhere you can follow because this thing's just getting better. Leave a review, five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, we need all the all the <laughs> reviews you can do, all the things you can do. It, this The teams are getting better. The pod's getting better. We're doing big things up in here, I promise. Until next time, here's to wishing all is well under the shell. <laughs>